Go ahead, Lee. Happy Sabbath, everyone. Glad you can join us for the, today's Tabernacle Praise Discipleship class. Hope everyone has already had a beautiful and blessed Sabbath day, enjoying Sabbath school and service, and also this fine weather we're having here in St. Louis. And those who are joining us elsewhere, hopefully you had good weather also. Uh, today we're in the book Christian Service by Ellen White, and we're in, still in chapter one officially, but it's a sub-chapter titled The Divine Commission. The Divine Commission, that's paragraph 22.4. And we'll start out with the word of prayer. Uh, Patsy, would you offer a word of prayer for us, please? Yes, sir, I will. Dear Heavenly Father, we come thanking you for giving us the breath of life and to giving us another day to be able to lift your name up. Now, Lord, as we open up your word and our teacher leads us, Lord, put your wisdom, your knowledge, and your understanding in our hearts that we will be receptive to your word. And, Lord, help us to let the Holy Spirit lead and guide us as we come in contact with others that we should be telling them about your goodness and your soon coming. We just ask that you will continue to forgive us of our sins, our inequities, and our transgressions. Help us to do your will, to be more like thee, and let your lead of your Holy Spirit lead and guide us in all things that we say and that we do and with the things that we are, are commissioned to do to go out and tell the world. And we will be careful to give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Beautiful prayer. Thank you. Uh, now, this is a kind of something we've heard about before. Can anyone tell us, in your own words, what is the Divine Commission? Well, anytime I hear the word commission, I think of Matthew 28, where he says, go out and, and, and teach, preach, and make disciples. Okay. Excellent. Anyone else to you? What does that mean, the divine commission? It's, I think of it as a demand to or a command to go and, and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay. Anyone else have a comment? What is the divine commission? I think it's our part to do our part. He wants us to do what he commands us to do. Be, make friends with people, tell people about Jesus, lift him up. Okay. All excellent comments and all true. You know, in the divine commission, of course, uh, uh, what we look at in the Bible where Jesus says, go ye therefore, teaching all nations, uh, baptizing them in my name, etc." So, but as everyone said, we can look at that in different ways. Basically, go and tell somebody about the goodness of God his soon coming, to lift up Christ, to tell others about God's goodness. All those things are very true. So it's kind of interesting when you ask a person, what does this mean? It'll be the same verse, but it means a lot of different things to people, right? So in that same area, how many ways, how many ways can we do the, how many ways can we fulfill the divine commission? How many ways can you tell others about Christ? Is there a limit? No, there's not a limit. No limit. Nope, no limit. No specific way you have to do it. No way that you can't do it. 
No way that you shouldn't do it. It's however God leads you to do it. So that means it's also unlimited as what as was said. The divine commission is unlimited and how we achieve it is unlimited also. The same way that God is not limited in how he does things, that's how we are when it comes to fulfilling the divine commission. Do it however you can, in any way you can, and as much as you can. And nobody can tell you that you're doing it wrong. Nobody can really tell you you're doing it right either, but nobody can say, hey, that's not how we're supposed to do this. Okay, it's up to you. It's between you and God how you want to do it. And God's given each of us various talents. So if my talent is painting, can I fulfill the divine commission through painting? Yeah. Yes. What, what, if my, what if my talent is writing? Can I do it through writing? Can I do it yes. through preaching? Can I do it through teaching? Can I do it through the way I, uh, I fulfill my job at the office? Can I do it through speaking to others, through sharing food with others? There's no limit. You can meet the divine commandment in every possible way. And it all kind of leads back to how you as an individual live for Christ. So it says uh, the work which the disciples did, we also are to do every Christian is to be a missionary. How many Christians? Every. Every Christian, right. So it's not even limited to just pastors. Many times we think, oh, that's the pastor's job. I don't have to, you know, teach people about Christ. That's the Sabbath school, Sabbath school teacher's job. No, it's everyone's job. If you call yourself to be a Christian, that you're also called to be a missionary and tell somebody else about Christ. And what's one of the first things that you can tell somebody about Christ? And I just interject all that is good under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. What's one of the first things you can tell people about Christ? What he did for you. Yeah. Hello. What he did for you, his love for you, his love for them. Everybody has a testimony. Somehow you came to accept Christ. Tell people that. Somehow God has done something good for you. Tell people that. Whatever the Holy Spirit leads you to say, say that and do that. And it also says we're called to lighten the woes of suffering humanity. Lighten the woes of suffering humanity. That sounds like a huge undertaking, right? What are some of the ways that you as an individual can lighten the woes of suffering humanity? Anybody have any ideas? How can we lighten this, the woes of suffering humanity? Minister to someone's need. Maybe they need food, clothing, shelter, someone to talk to, pray with. Yeah, minister to whatever needs a person has that, that you're capable of ministering to. And you don't have to be an expert at it. Just do something. If a person's hungry, you don't have to fix them a five-course meal, right? You just give them a peanut butter sandwich. If that's what you can do, do that. Brighten the corner wherever you are. So whatever you can do, do that. If you can't buy them a brand new suit, give them a shirt. If it ain't a new shirt, at least it's in nice condition. It's better than what they have. So again, don't get, don't get to uh, trying to filter or restrict what God asks you to do. Just do what the Holy Spirit leads you to do. I know many times we see people on the side of the road asking for money or asking for food, 
maybe you can't give them a hundred dollars, but you can give them two dollars. You're helping to lighten the woe of suffering humanity. And another way that we can do it is just by our words that we speak. Sometimes just a kind word is what people are looking for. And you again, you don't have to go into deep detail and preach a sermon. Just tell them, hey, man, it's going to work out. God is still with you. God is still on the throne, and he can work a miracle at any moment. Just keep trusting him. Just keep hoping. Don't give up. Just something that easy to say is lightening the woes of suffering humanity. What other ways can we lighten humanity's load? Any other thoughts? What else can we do to lighten humanity's woes? Any other ways to lighten load? I think uh, the about visiting the sick, about visiting mm -hmm. those who were in prison, um, all those things that um, Jesus said, when you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. Right. Even giving somebody a drink of water. I mean, that's lightening the woes of humanity. Or not. We're not giving the water. You've done it to Jesus. Whatever you don't do to others, you've not done it to Jesus. <laughs> That's an interesting way to put it. Yeah. So we should take advantage of any opportunity to help someone because by helping others, we're helping Christ. And uh, uh, as Paula had mentioned earlier, always be listening for the Holy Spirit's leading and guiding. Okay, you know, it's sad to say that this is a lot of sin. This is a sinful world. There's a lot of sin going on in the world. There are a lot of people who are not good people. They're evil people. So we have to listen to the Holy Spirit that tells us, yeah, give this person some food or, or don't give this person some food. We have to be in tune with God's Holy Spirit because many people have gotten themselves in trouble by not listening to the Spirit and just doing what they felt like doing. So we, again, have to be uh, wise as a serpent, but harmless as a dove. Always listen to where God's telling you to go and not to go. And if he's telling you to go, then go and lighten the light and suffering humanity however you can. Um, paragraph 22.5 says, Christ told the disciples to be executors of the will which he bequeathed to the world, the treasure of eternal life. And I know Karen's with us. Karen, what does an executor of the will do? As our legal scholar, what does an executor of a will do? Maybe she must have stepped off. Does anyone know what an executor of a will does? Okay, from my minimal understanding of it, is a person who is uh, charged with the task of making sure that the will, the uh, request of the person who put the will in place, that their requests are followed. Okay. And again, our divine commission, what is it that Christ's will is for us? to tell others mm -hmm. about him, mm -hmm. about his and him being crucified and coming again. Mm -hmm. So we're called to share the message of Christ with others. That's what our that's what we're supposed to do as executors of the will is to share the love of God 
with others so that they too may be saved in his kingdom. As it says in 22.6, everyone, everyone who has received the gospel has been given sacred truth to impart to the world. Every one of us who has received the gospel, we're not supposed to keep it to ourselves. Remember that song, hide it under a bushel? No, let your light shine. That's how we impart sacred truth to the world. When we find out through Bible study or through divine inspiration of God's prophets or his Holy Spirit, we're supposed to share that. You remember when God talked to Jonah, he wanted Jonah to go share the word with the people. Jonah didn't want to impart it to the people. He wanted to keep it to himself. And we're not, we're not called to keep it to ourselves. We're, in, we're called to share the message of Christ with everyone that we meet. It says God's faithful people have always been aggressive missionaries, consecrating their resources to the honor of his name and wisely using their talents in his service. What do you think that means to be an aggressive missionary? That sounds kind of interesting. What is an aggressive missionary? I was going to ask that very question because aggressive has a negative connotation. You can be assertive and kind. I mean, you have to, to know your audience, uh, you know, proceed with caution when you approach people, unless you already have an established relationship. So I, if somebody came to me aggressively, I would, you know, it would frighten me. I would, <laughs> I would, wouldn't want to listen to them. I'd, you know, get away from them. So I'm not sure if that. Is right. Well, me, I'd be like, make it, make it about your business. Be serious about it. Don't be timid about it. Okay. I think about Lee being uh, proactive instead of reactive. In other words, um, be kind to people um, in the first instance rather than, you know, smiling after they smile at you. You know what I mean? Smile first. Um, you know, be helpful first. And not if not only if they ask you. Hmm. Okay, all good comments. Anyone else about aggressive missionary? Well, I th am I back in? Because I got kicked out two times. Can yeah, everybody hear me? In. We hear you. Go okay. ahead. When I, when I think of aggressive uh, missionaries, I think in terms that God tell us to study to show ourselves approved. And to me, that uh, this is just me. When it think, when I think of aggressive, I think that I've been in the Word, I've studied it. But when I come to meet other people, like like Paula G said, do it in love. You know, they may ask questions, and I, you know, I may think, well, they could have read that for themselves. But do it in love. Say, this is, you know, thus said the Lord, and maybe you know, give them give them a book, chapter, Bible, and verse, so that they can study it. But I think the part that I take as aggressive, am I going to be willing to study, to show myself approved, that when God sends somebody to me, that I'm able to, to let the Holy Spirit lead and guide me in the words that I say to them, in the manner that I say it to them? Hmm. Okay. I think about um, the disciples, um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Paul, and I think about how everything in their lives was secondary to preaching the gospel or teaching people about 
um, Christianity and also to following Christ. I was reading an Acts of the Apostles this week about, I guess, I'm, I'm not for sure. I think it's the Galatians. Um, it was two people. One he talked to, but he was kind to these people because they were like babes and he was very tender and gentle. But then I think the Galatians had allowed, you. it, it came into the church some um, some lies and um, false um, false doctrines. So he dealt with that in a more, in a harsher, more direct manner and stuff. So I think that that's, uh, all tools are, can be used in the, in the work of God. But I think it's like, like everybody is saying how you do it, you know, how you do it uh, in terms of reaching out to people and making it your priority in your whole life to share the gospel of Christ. Okay. All really good comments, excellent comments about that aggressive missionary. Um, I have a little quote that I write that I've got written on my wall, and it says, and this is for me to do, is to be aggressive with issues and assertive with people. So aggressive with issues, assertive with people. And I think that's one of the things Paul is talking about with be assertive with people. You don't want to be overly aggressive with people because it will turn them off, but we have to be, we're called to be aggressive in terms of reaching out to people. So we don't want to sit back and wait. We don't want to sit back and wait till we see Jesus coming in the cloud and then jump up and try and be missionaries. We want to actually get out there and do it, not sit in the church building, not sit back at home and say, oh, I hope people get saved. Oh, I hope people learn about Christ. He's telling us to be aggressively active. Get out there. Don't sit back and wait because before we know it, time is going to be over. And then we'll be sitting back saying, man, we should have went out and, you know, tried to hand out leaflets or give out Bible studies or invited somebody to church or invited someone to accept Christ. So what we're called to do is not sit back, but to get out there and go. Do it. Whatever it takes, be about spreading the message, the gospel message. And we can be assertive with people. It says also in that same sentence, wisely using our talents in his service. So we want to be wise about how we reach people. We want to make sure that we're out there reaching them, but we want to be wise in how we do it. And there's, as we talked about, there's many ways to reach people. There's many ways to uh, be a missionary. There's many ways to evangelize. There's many ways to tell somebody about Christ and him soon to return and of his love and salvation. But the point being, just do it, you know, like the slogan, just do something, just do it. Be aggressive in that fashion and wisely use our talents. There's everybody on this phone call, everybody on this phone call is very intelligent, very wise, has a lot of talents and abilities, and we're called to use those to reach people for Christ. If we just sat down, you know, and wrote a list of how many ways can I personally reach somebody and tell somebody about Christ, you would have a long list. You know, if you didn't allow yourself to be afraid to write it down, but just go ahead and write it, you would come up with a list of probably hundreds of ways that you can reach somebody. If you don't think about whether you have the money to do it, don't think about if you got the resources, but just think how many different ways can I really reach somebody you would have such a long list. 
and then to be an aggressive missionary, you would take some of those ideas and actually do them and actually run with it and allow God to give you the power to do it, allow him to give you the wisdom to do it, how to reach people. You'd be really amazed what you can accomplish. One of the things about writing goals is to actually write it down because the very act of writing it, writing something down on paper or on your computer, that's getting it into your brain that, okay, we're really gonna try and do this thing. I actually see it written down. I'm thinking about it while I'm writing it down. And now my mind can go to work, you know, through div divine inspiration of how can I make this happen? So that's what we're all called to do in terms of being aggressive missionaries, to wisely use our talents to reach out for people. Our commission is to work earnestly for souls, giving, all, giving to all the invitation of mercy. Now that's an interesting thought. So in paragraph 23.1, it says, giving to all the invitation of mercy. Why should we give everyone the invitation of mercy? You know, because we know there are some people who are just evil. And we know there are some people who never go to church, some people who never look in the Bible, some people who don't like to talk about uh, God or spirituality or religion. So why should we give them the invitation to mercy? Well, you know, Elder Carroll, if we think about ourselves in our life, there's been one point, there's been points in our life where we probably have been where those people have been. And God still continue to, to, to uh, woo us and, you know, cover us with, with his love and kindness until we came to our senses to an understanding of who he was. So, you know, I look at those people that I, I definitely could have been there, especially in my teen years. Mm. <laughs> okay. Anyone else? Why should we give the invitation of mercy to everyone? Because he gave, like she was saying, he gave us that to us. He gave it to us. We accept it. So maybe hopefully one day they'll accept. But what if a person just doesn't uh, believe in God? What if well, they don't go to church? You know, uh, not going to church and believing in God are two different things. Mm -hmm. And so, and then secondly, when people, um, we don't get to choose who is going to answer the call? You know, it doesn't matter, you know, who, what the person is, what they're doing, what they're not doing. It's our commission to just tell the world. And with that in mind, we just do what we can to tell the world. And we, the outcome is not ours, you know? That's the Holy Spirit's job, to convict hearts. We just give the message. Hey, and, an, and another thing, if I'm trying to witness to somebody and I'm like, do you believe in Jesus? And they say, no, nah, I don't want to talk about it. That's still witnessing. Even though they were shot it down and rejected it, that's still witnessing. And that's still left home. Jesus, maybe the Holy Spirit can work. The Holy Spirit can work with just that. Yeah, he can. Amen. Amen. What does uh, John 3, 16 say? What does that verse say? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever shall believe on him shall, what is the verse that's so he gave his son to who? The world. The world. The, the world. world. So it's not for us to dis discern who we should uh, invite to mercy and who we should not give the invitation to mercy. God gave his son to the whole world. 
And so we're called to give that invitation of mercy to everyone, anyone. And we're not the judge, right? Am I, am I able to judge who's worthy of heaven and who's not? Absolutely no. not. No, but we sure, we sure enough try because I think of the serial killer. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, mercy. So, <laughs> Yeah, we're not the judges. Our job is just to go and tell somebody. So we're called to give that invitation of mercy to anybody. It doesn't matter if the person's in a gang. Doesn't matter if they're in prison. Doesn't matter if they've told you leave them alone. Doesn't matter. Any, Just give that invitation. And as Lakita mentioned, it's not our job to worry about the results. Our job is just to give the invitation and allow the Holy Spirit to work on them. If we never give the invitation, then the person can, can if, if this were the way it worked, the person could point their finger at us and say, hey, this person never gave me the invitation, so it's not fair that I should miss out on eternal life. Our job is just to give that invitation. And as Alvina mentioned, even if we give the invitation and it's rejected, they're not rejecting us, they're rejecting Christ. The invitation was given. So that's what our duty is, to give that invitation to all that we come in contact with. And it says we're to go to the people, not wait for the people to come to us. So we have many friends and relatives who never say a word about God. They never say a word about spirituality or even connecting with God. We don't have to wait for them to say that. We can bring it up. We can talk. There is no issue on this planet that you cannot talk about and not be able to bring Jesus in there somehow, to bring God into the, uh, into the uh, conversation somehow, because it all relates back to him. If you think about the, uh, the problem with hunger, you can bring Jesus into that, the bread of life, right? You think about people who are thirsty, thirsty for the life, the water of life. You can think about people who are uh, suffering in prison. You can bring that, bring Jesus into that. Any situation or any uh, subject, you can bring Christ into it. And you, you can just do it in a nice, gradual manner where it just fits right into the conversation. And before you know it, it's another opportunity for you to witness to the goodness of God. says uh, in paragraph 23.3, says the commission given to the disciples is also given to us. And then it says today, just like then, a crucified and risen Savior is to be uplifted before those who are without God and without hope in the world. So again, pointing out it doesn't matter. Our job is just to give that invitation to mercy. Now, I thought this part was interesting in the same paragraph. It says, not with tame, lifeless utterance is the message to be given, but with clear, decided, stirring utterance. Not with tame, lifeless utterance is the message to be given, but with clear, decided, stirring utterance. What is that talking about? What does that mean? How you say what you say. You know, say it like you believe it. Say it like it's important. Don't, you know, like, don't just like um, say it like it's a bunch of facts. One and one is two, two and two is four. Jesus came and died for our sins. 
say it like you actually believe it, like it has impacted your life and like it's um it's real, it's sincere, and and it's true. Okay. Karen, were you about to say something? I was just saying, like like Lakita was saying, you know, say it with passion and like uh and you can always, you know, weave into it what Christ has done for you if if that helps you to um, you know, be convincing to other and persuasive to other people. Mm-hmm. Any other thoughts about that? The messages be given with clear, decided, stirring utterance. Think about this. I know Lakita always uses this example. If you got a friend who's in the house and the house is on fire, are you just going to say, hey, the house is on fire, maybe you should leave? Or would you be like, hey, the house is on fire. You better get out of here. Hurry up. Come on. The house is burning. Wait, get out of there. <laughs> but you don't want them to panic, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you if the house is on fire, they need to panic and get out. <laughs> yeah, there's hundreds of people waiting for the warning to escape for their lives. What we have to tell them about Christ's salvation, it's life-saving. This is concerning a person's life. So we need to let them know this is serious. Not just life, eternal life. You no, know, I noticed that God uses the word perish instead of death. You know, that many will perish, you know, if they don't hear about the word of God. That's, that to me seems to be more um, permanent, a permanent state. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's not just what's going to happen here on earth. Bump this, you know, this is, you know, it's nice, it's good, but what's important is how we spend eternity. So give the message a warning with some urgency and with some excitement. Again, how would you think uh, if you were talking to one of your friends and they said to you, hey, I went over to this uh, restaurant and the food there, it was good. Would you really be interested in going to the restaurant? Nope. No. Not at all. There was no sense of urgency or excitement about that. But if they said, oh, man, I went to this restaurant. You ain't going to believe this. They cooked this and it was terrific. And it reminded me of this. And it tastes like it was great. And it was uh, sauce was creamy and luscious and delicious. And and they got great prices. You can get all this for a small price. And and it's packed over there. And you better hurry up. You know, you'd be wanting to go check it out now. Not if it's packed, not doing COVID. But you wouldn't know, not even COVID, but but you would know that, okay, this must be good if they're talking about it like this and people are all in there. And it's the same way we need to talk to people about Christ, how good he is to us, how the how he's blessed us, how he's waiting to bless them, and how we're all just anxiously uh, awaiting his return so that we can go to heaven with him. You know, explain it to people like you mean it. Well, you know, Elder, I have a, I have mm-hmm. a comment, and I'm glad uh, Alvina brought up about the pandemic. I said, you know, as, as, a, as a nation and as the world, when the pandemic hit, you had, you had people that were just so nonchalant. You know, they, before the pandemic, you know, you have a choice to, be, to come to church and enjoy church. But once the pandemic hit, it was like, oh, my God, I can't go to church. Well, if you hadn't been being close to God before God gave you that time to be at home and understand that it is important for you to worship with your brothers and sisters. It is important for you to study. And then it took for, 
and, and it's a sad thing, but it took for people to start dying off before some people got, God had to wake them up and say, now do you see that, you know, you need to go out and do what I have commissioned you to do. Hey, one thing I want to bring up, the pandemic is like, it's like a form of like the world ending in a way. Are you ready or not, here it comes. Yeah, that's mm. true. Interesting. Amen. Yeah. And we never know how things are going to go from day to day. So as uh, was pointed out, we have the time now to be witnessing. We have the time now to be aggressive missionaries. We have the time now to tell people about the love of Christ and him soon to return. There will come a time when we won't have this luxury. We won't be able to go to church. We won't be able to talk about Christ. You know, there's people in other countries now, they'll go to prison just for reading the Bible. They'll go to prison for having a prayer meeting or for even talking about Jesus. They will go to jail or they'll be tortured and killed. But, you know, over here in America, we have we think everything's like it is here. Other countries are not like America. And America, sad to say, at one point late at one at some point later in Earth's history is going to be like those other countries where you get uh, punished and thrown in jail and ultimately killed for sharing the love of God. So, as Patsy pointed out, we have this time now. Now is the time, the Bible says. Now is the accepted day. Don't let it go by without telling somebody that Jesus loves them. The proof that United States is going to be changing like that happened yesterday when they're forcing people's will, you know, you know, as far as the Supreme Court movement. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. proof of that Amen. happening. Why do you say that's proof of it? Freedom of choice. God is pro-choice, pro-life and pro-choice. So these so-called religious groups thinking they did a good thing. No, they're not. They're going against what God wants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then they were like, um, even though it's, it's a, I was telling Lee this, it's kind of a difficult position to be in because you find yourself, maybe you don't believe that abortion is the best choice to make, but you do believe strongly, like you said, that God gives us a choice to make the decisions that we, you know, uh, that we're going to make. And they're also talking about uh, Clarence Thomas, of all people, was saying, I heard his (laughs) comment was, next is gay marriage and gay sex. And I just think that's too intimate, too much. You're going way too, I mean, you know, trying to prevent people from having a safe abortion because people are still going to get abortions is going to happen and it's just going to go into the back room they're going to be getting you know uh, Mookie's mother cousin down the street to do it on the on the kitchen table or in the basement somewhere so it's just taking the safety um, from people because they're still going to make the choice it, it, that doesn't people it's illegal to kill and people are doing it every day all day you know so they haven't really changed anything except now it's going to be unsafe for people Mm. But yeah, I think it's, yeah, I was reading this week too, another thing, while we're over looking at that, another thing they've done was they've made it okay for people to use those um, vouchers to send your children to Christian schools, 
not just private schools, but to Christian schools. Now we say, well, that sounds like a good thing, but that's eroding the separation church and, church and mm-hmm. state. You know, little by little, it sounds like a good thing, but then uh, as a writer wrote, was uh, pointing out, what happens when they say, well, we want um, even evangelicals can have it, but people in Muslim schools can't have it, or Seventh-day Adventist schools can't, can't get this here money or use it. So we don't want to really put that in people's hands. Also, Lakita, even in the public schools, I know Normandy, we turned it down. We voted as teachers against that voucher system. So it's a lot more than what people are saying, too. Once they accept those vouchers, the government tells you what to do, when to do, and how to do it. There's a lot behind those vouchers as you read that fine print. And we were on a committee, and as we began to look, we was like, then basically, if we accept these vouchers, they're taking over. I mean, that's the bottom line. They're taking over. Yeah, and I think that's the same thing with, with grants. When you get a grant as a Christian entity, you know, if you want to take a stance against anything, whatever that is, um, then you can't, you may not be allowed to. For example, you may not want to promote you know, um, a homosexual lifestyle in your in your Christian school, but that's taken from you when you get those grants too. Yeah, you have to be careful. Like it says, he who has the gold makes the rules. So if you're getting gold from somebody, they've got some rules on it that you're going to have to follow. So it's good that you guys read through that, Patsy, to make sure it's something that you uh, might want or might not want. And again, as we are Christians, we need to be led by the Holy Spirit Everywhere you look, the world needs to see in Christians evidence of the power of Christianity. You know, there has to be a change, a difference between those who believe God and those who don't. You know, and I remember a guy on the radio was asking uh, somebody to call in and tell him the difference between Christians and non-Christians. Because he was saying uh, that they're, they're the same. And it was kind of shocking that nobody called in. You know, I happened to be driving, so I couldn't call in. But the world has to see a difference in Christians. And that difference comes from the power of Christ living through us and allowing his Holy Spirit to shine through us in the things that we say and the things we do and the things and the way that we act. And not just in a few places, but around the whole world, there has to be difference seen. And again, if we can see a difference, if people can see a difference in the power of Christ, then they'll be drawn to him so that when we say, hey, Jesus loves you, he's waiting for you, you know, he wants you to be in heaven with him. And if people have seen a difference, they're more likely to say, you know, I'm interested in finding out more about this. But if the world doesn't see any power in Christian Christianity, then it makes it much harder for anybody to even want to come to Christ. Very interesting. Um, Paragraph 23.4 says, when Jesus ascended to heaven, he committed his work on earth to those who had received the light of the gospel. They were to carry the work forward to completion. And then it says he has provided no other agency for the promulgation or the spreading of his truth. There is no other way other than those who, who have accepted Christ those who have received the light of the gospel, that's how it gets spread, is this person tells another person who tells another person tells another person. They always say word of mouth is the strongest uh, reference. 
you know, and it can be good or it can be bad, but we're called as Christians to make sure that the word of mouth that we spread is for good and to, again, to lighten the, the problems of the world. Go ahead. I think, I think about sharing the gospel, you know, you throw a rock in the water and the ripple effect go, goes out. Yeah. Sometimes I think about sharing the gospel, like you said, and sh- tell that mm-hmm. person, tell that person, and it just spreads. Yeah, that's how that's how, that's the plan. It says God leaves his, with his church the responsibility of receiving or rejecting the great commission, the divine commission. So he's given us the commission. And as we we're just talking about freedom of choice, God's people can accept the commission and tell somebody about the love of Christ, or we can choose to reject it. Again, he even gives us freedom of choice in that, that we can accept the commission or we can reject the commission. And, and, if, and if we reject it, we're saying no to eternal life because we're not being obedient. Yeah, there's always uh, consequences to every decision that we make in this world. Uh, good consequences are bad. Uh, this next to the last paragraph says, and that's uh, Matthew 28, 19 through 20, of course, the Great Commission. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. So even with this great commission, Christ is telling us, don't be afraid to go out there and witness. Don't be afraid to be an aggressive missionary because I'm with you all the way to the end of the world. So we have to think about that. We're called to be missionaries. We're called to be evangelists. We're called to be his witnesses and his ambassadors. And we can't allow the world to, uh, to make us afraid. We have to remember God is with us wherever we go, that he's promised that if he's asked us to go somewhere, he's going to be there to protect us. He's going to be there to provide for us. He's going to give us the resources. He's going to give us the talents and the abilities to do his will. So we don't have to be afraid to tell somebody about Jesus. Now, here's a question that I've always uh, wondered about. It just seems to me that sometimes the people who don't, the people who don't follow Christ, sometimes seem like they have more say so than the people who do follow Christ. You know, in terms of which way society's going, is like a big group of people saying no, we don't want to do that, and then there's a small group of people saying we do want to do it, and it seems like the people who don't follow Christ seem to sometimes have more sway. What do y'all think about that? Does this seem that way to you at all? Well, I look in terms of uh, the elder from Alton Church. He was saying when we compare the number of Adventists in the world to the big picture, we may be small in number, but we're more faithful to God because we're, we're we're asking the Holy Spirit to make sure that we are living up to everything God is showing us. And sometimes, as my mother used to say, uh, you think the grass is greener on the other side, but it's not always that way. And, and following the crowd sometimes, it doesn't lead you to the path of righteousness. Following the crowd sometimes can lead you to the path of destruction. Hmm. Lee, one thing I think about is 
when it comes to some of the gay rights and stuff, you hear mm -hmm. them really loud. This month is Gay Pride Month, and they're having parades and all kinds of stuff. And it's like I hear some pastors ask other Christians, where are you? All? Where's your voice? We got mm -hmm. a voice. How come we don't hear you? We hear them louder than we hear ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, some stuff is almost like we're scared to even talk about in the church. The preacher don't want to talk about homosexuality. I'm not sure what we're afraid of. We have the Bible that backs us up. I mean, what what would you ever be afraid of? It's right there in the Word. Just preach the Word and, mm -hmm. and let it fall on the ears that, that it needs to fall on. It just seems like we've been quiet, you know, in the last few years or probably longer than that. It's just we're real quiet about stuff. And you hear more of the worldly folks making the noise instead of us. Mm. Yeah. Anybody else? Well, I think, them? you know, a lot of pastors think, well, I don't want to say, say, you know, we're against it. Even like you said, we got the Bible because people think we're, we're against the people, but it's the sin that needs to be stressed that it's the sin, not the person. Yeah, and I think it's a ploy of Satan to twist that around to make us look bad. And we have to keep twisting it back around and say, we love the people. We love them. We don't like the way or their action. It's like anybody else. We still we still love the people. Still love a murderer. Murder is no different than a, a gay Hello. person or whatever. We Hello. still love them. And we still pray for them. It's like we want them to pray for us and still love us. We're no different, you know. No, but if you're preaching a, a sinful act, then that's what it is. It's not the person. It's the act. Mm -hmm. But no one having no parade for murderers or rapists or robbers. You know, I don't understand why they're having a parade for who they want to mess with in the bedroom. It doesn't make any sense to me. Well, yeah, I and I, you know, I think I lost I lost a good friend because we were friends, and she wanted me to a couple of years ago to go down uh, downtown when they were having a parade, and she said my daughter likes you a lot. And at that time, you know, I had met her daughter. I didn't, you know, put it together. She goes, but I said, well, you know, what kind of parade is her daughter involved? What your daughter is involved in? When she told me, I was surprised because she was the minister of music at her church, and she's like. But my daughter needs support. And I said, yeah, you, you know, I told her, I said, you know, I like your daughter and I'm glad you love her, but I can't go with you. And she got very angry at me. Mm -hmm. No, I think it's good that it was pointed out. God loves the sinner, but he hates the sin. And that's where we have to remain. We love each other, but we don't have to love the acts that people are doing. But you guys, we are mute, not just on homosexuality. We're mute on premarital sex. When was the last time you heard the word virginity spoken in church? I don't think I've ever really heard that word. We're, we're mute on living with people before they get married. We haven't heard any talk on not doing marijuana uh, or, or drugs. And so I think the church is mute on a whole lot of stuff, infidelity in marriages. You know, we, we're, it's, we're mute. We, there is no words, there is nothing coming from the things that we do um, kind of focus on. It's like maybe pride in people's hearts or people not coming to church or 
I hear I hear that pretty much, but we're mute on a whole bunch of stuff. And I think some of it is, if you really think for me, I could talk about my own self. There's a feeling of hopelessness when you approach those subjects. You know, as I think about my my um, grandchildren who are going to come and spend two weeks with me, and I want to take advantage. And I'm praying, asking Lord, what should I focus on? What should I teach? You know, to start because I don't want to wait until they're coming to me talking about I'm gay or I'm homosexual or whatever, before I start saying something about it. And, you know, they're four, they're going to be four to six, excuse me, in the next week. So I just think we're mute on a whole bunch of things. And I don't think, I think sometimes it's over, it's overwhelming. The tide is coming in on us is so much, you know, before you can know it, they're talking about transgender adults and now they're they are um changing people's sex as children you know that used to couldn't happen and then they're talking about um that transgender there was a little boy he was 14 when he had his sex change now he's 16 he wants to change back and it can't happen so i think it's just too much coming in on us and it's overwhelming uh and i was so happy to hear and no one is, the leaders are not saying anything, but I heard Pastor Wilson, the president, isn't it the president, it's Pastor mm-hmm. Wilson, he went through those fundamental beliefs. He talked about homosexuality. He was firm, just like, you know, she was saying, be firm. He was firm in his belief, which reminded me that this is the way walking in. Yeah, the Lord is telling us, Hey, I'm with you guys, so don't be afraid. I'm with you. I'm your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with the right hand in my righteousness. So we don't have anything to be afraid of, except that we forget how God has led us in the past. So he's again calling us to be faithful witnesses. And we Jesus has promised to be with us through his Holy Spirit, also through his word and his testimony. And that's where our strength has to lie in. Not that we know everything right from wrong or that we're perfect. We're not saying that. But what we are saying is, thus saith the Lord. And he is always right on every subject. And we're mute. I'm, I'm sorry. We're mute on some other things, too. We're mute on diet, you know, how we're supposed to be eating. We are mute on talents, you know, how people are supposed to be developing their talents. You know, it's kind of like we don't really have to do this stuff, you know, and uh, returning a faithful tithe and offering, the church is mute. I don't even really know what we're talking about in church. It's mute on a whole bunch of stuff. And then it's trickling, it's, it's hitting us. And if someone in the church, uh, a sister or a brother, has a burden to talk about homosexuality, they're almost shunned. I mean, have you really tried to talk about um, not eating? Well, have, coming into the fullness of, of um, the, what is it, the health message, have you, if you tried to talk about to people about their diets, I've seen this happen in church, person coming in, promoting a, um, a um, plant-based diet, and got tore to shreds, people tore him to shreds, was going back and forth <laughs> with this person, you know, do you think I'm going to put my big foot in that situation? You know, and yet our church members are, we're all so sick, you know, we're, we're very sick, but we're not hearing anything from the leadership to help us or, you know, make the better choices. 
And we're all here, each person by themselves, trying to live up to the light without any like support. It is hard to do it by yourself. You know, back in the day, you know, people talk about councils on diet and foods, and they talked about, you know, um, returning tithe and offering ministry, going out and, and reaching out to people. None of that stuff is being talked about. We're mute on a whole bunch of stuff. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's kind of a sad thing. One thing that uh, I can say, Lakita, is that our previous pastor, mm -hmm. um, during the Sabbath lunch, he took away all the desserts and right. the fruit and stuff and the, the, the sugary drink and replaced it with more of a, um, a water and fruit infused water and that kind of mm -hmm. thing. See, that's why he's gone now. <laughs> no, you know what? You, I'm just you, kidding. Uh, with him, that. I watched him. I watched his ministry grow. Now, it doesn't mean the church, everybody, you know, we got 50,000 people in, but his ministry to himself, you know, he he wasn't always that way, but he started that prayer thing and really was into prayer. And then he did go into the natural, you know, um, into um, not natural remedies, but the health message and stuff. You know, I saw him picking up things. And yeah, I think it's I think it's just so important that you don't feel alone in this world trying to make these right decisions, trying to do the thing because it's hard. Yeah, I think he he started studying more, just like we're studying more, and the Lord worked on his heart, just like the Lord's working on our hearts. And also, we want to continue to invite others to join us so that the Lord can work on their heart as they study. Because each and every one of us, we've got a ways to go. When we yeah. look upon Jesus, we're so far away from his character. Mm -hmm. It's a mm -hmm. shame. But as we grow in grace through uh, consecration of his Holy Spirit in our lives and following his word and his testimony, then we'll, we'll be able to stand up and say, thus saith the Lord also. Mm -hmm. And remember that God is with us. He has given us the, the power to do it. He has given us the truth of his word and his testimony. And we'll come to that realization, too, that we're called to be witnesses and we have to be aggressive missionaries in spreading God's holy word to everyone that we meet in church, out of church, on the street, at home, wherever. And remember that Jesus himself has said, don't be afraid. I'm with you even to the end of the world. So I want to thank everyone for participation today in our class. And again, remember to invite someone else for next week. Uh, Sister Karen, where are we at uh, for our study next week? Uh, let's see. Actually, we'll probably be out of town next week. So if you want to pick it up next week, again, you can, or it would be um, no class next week. Um, okay, you got. You didn't want to do it from out of town? I'm not sure what the circumstances are going to be. So, okay. Um. I don't know what the itinerary is going to be. Okay. I so think we don't we'll, have class next week? No, I think what we can do, we'll have class, but we just won't be able to live stream it. But we can okay. still meet on online for those who have the uh, dial-up number. Okay. I mean, the Zoom okay. ID. So are we going with uh, Sister Karen's chapter? We still need to know what chapter that she wants us to cover or wants us to study. Um, um, we well, can go we ahead. We want to just and, continue in your book, and then when we come yeah. back, 
when we come back, it'll be chapter 97, which is um, in Testimonies for the Church. Okay, so, okay. so next so week we're... Do- Next week, we're still in Christian service, and it'll be the next sub-chapter titled Called from Common Walks of Life. Called from Common Walks of Life. And please remember to invite someone else to join us on Zoom. Okay, we'll close out with a word of prayer, and thanks again for everyone's participation. Dear Lord, we thank you once again for being with us through our discipleship class. We thank you for everyone tuning in and participating. We ask and pray that your Holy Spirit will continue to lead us and guide us to a closer walk with thee. Bless us, dear Lord, to do thy will, to be aggressive missionaries and ambassadors for Christ. In all that we do, may may others see Jesus in us. In his blessed name, we thank you. Amen. Amen.